This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You can understand the, the criticism if you like. Um, I think you have to, on the, on the flip side, footballers contribute, the Premier League contributes to the Treasury um, in an enormous way as well. Uh, we've just had a, you know, a, an election where um, yeah, issues of taxation have come into the equation. Um, but now, of course, it's a, you know, we've got a, we're in a really difficult situation with a, with a, a global pandemic. Uh, and um, you know, we want to try and do the right thing as a, as a collective, as a, as a, as a humanity. Um, and, and like I said, I'm pretty sure that football will come to those conclusions. Off the Ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. That was Brighton boss Graham Potter convinced that football will get it right during these difficult times. Hey, welcome to Off The Ball in Lockdown. As usual, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Tonight, we shall travel abroad and, and also closer to home. To catch up with some old friends, we're going to be hearing from Singapore defender Sasikuma Ramu. We're going to check in with Roshan Narayan. Yeah, we all know Roshan. And also Gary Stevens, ex-Spurs and Brighton defender, will be uh, chatting to us. But first up, a man who is an author, he's a columnist, he's a radio host, and probably Singapore's most famous vegetarian, Neil Humphreys. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. What an introduction. It's only going down from there. What an introduction. Thank you so much. Mate, what's the situation in Singapore? Is it like it is in KL? Are you guys all in lockdown? No, not quite. In fact, I admire what um, Malaysia's doing, actually. I know you've moved towards the, uh, what you're calling the MCO, the, the movement control order, and you've got roadblocks and such like. Honestly, mate, I'll be blunt. I think we're moving towards something similar. And, and I think we'll do it for what I always call the one percenters. Which yeah. I mean, you know, 98, 99% of people will do the right thing. But as we all know, there's 1% of morons. Yeah. Yeah. And you get them everywhere. No country is special. And like Malaysia, like Singapore, like the UK, you're always going to have a small minority of morons who are not going to isolate. They're not going to stay at home. They're not going to do as they're told. They're not going to telecommute when it's clear that they can. They're not going to uh, avoid non-essential businesses. So we've moved towards what we're calling, as you know, the circuit breaker. Uh, Prime Minister Lee Shenlong called it. But I, I, st- I still think, man, that they're giving too much of a benefit of the doubt to morons. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. There's no, there's no other way I could say it. There's no other way I could say it. I, I think they're trying their best not to look too draconian, not to look too authoritarian. But I was out yesterday. Okay, the law, I don't know, you know, we're speaking now the weekend. The law kicks in sort of Tuesday, Wednesday. But I was out on Saturday. There was a queue 100 meters long just to get into the shopping mall. Wow. Then inside the shopping mall, individual stores, pharmacies, you know, supermarkets and so on, also had separate 50-meter queues. Wow. And so this is the kind of stupidity we're dealing with, frankly. Okay, well, well, it's, it's a, a lot more draconian here. That No malls are open. We, we, we've got roadblocks everywhere. Literally, it's just supermarket and home. 
Yeah, but it's working though, right? I, I'm speaking to a KL journalist just yesterday, and I, I'm getting the impression that slowly but surely it's working, right, in Malaysia. Yeah, it, it, it is slowly. We're getting tired of staying at home, so we we just got to be good for a little while longer. Yeah. Well, that's the message, isn't it? That's the message. It's it's short term pain. I mean, it is a cliche, but it's short term pain for what will hopefully be not long term gain. That's the wrong word, but certainly no more long term losses. And, yeah. and I know, I know that in Southeast Asia, heaven knows, I know that we're preoccupied and obsessed with our rice bowl. Well, you know, we all are in this part of the world. But the way I see it, at the moment, your your, your rice bowl is fractured. It's cracked. But if we don't get this nailed down, especially in Singapore, we're very small and vulnerable, it could be obliterated for months to come, you know. Yeah. So we've just got to sit up, stay at home, read football books, preferably mine, and do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Nice segue there. Football books. Have you been inspired during these troubled times to write at all? Well, that's the funny thing. You know, I put something on social media a, a sort of a couple of weeks ago, I think, and, and you get that cliche, don't you? Everybody says, now's the time to write that novel <laughs> you're always waiting for. Now's the time to learn that second language. Yeah, right. In the world of Netflix, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and also, not only is it not going to happen, right? I, it's my living to do those things, right? As you know. So I, I do have to write books. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm finding it harder than normal because mm. even though I stay at home most of the time anyway I, I, like yourself I do a lot of work from home anyway it's not that big a shift for me in terms of mindset shift but when I sit in front of a laptop you know I'm writing a children's book at the moment and you know so I'll sit there with a blank page and I'll say right I've got this character she has to go there and then the brain goes COVID-19 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 <laughs> <laughs> see you say stop that stop that you know have a cup of tea around come back sit down okay right where were we chapter one right she walks into the classroom COVID-19 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 <laughs> that's you know, a bummer mate human. you know and I'm originally from England so as you know so I have to the country I'm from you've got 600 plus almost more than 700 plus people dying every day hmm. so I don't want to bring the mood down but I have to think about my parents my wife's parents my you know elderly in-laws and so on and so on. So it's a bit hard. To, you know, this crap about, oh, now's the time to learn uh, a second language. Yeah, I can imagine people with their headphones on going, hello, konnichiwa. COVID-19, COVID-19, COVID-19. It's not going to happen, is it? I don't know what planet these people are on. If we just get out of this alive, all our family alive, and we've got some semblance of, of a living, of a salary at the end of it, I think we'll all be very happy. And they can take their second language and stick it where the sun don't shine. <laughs> well said, sir. That's your book right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, apart from yours, uh, are, are there books, football books uh, specifically, that, that you found inspiring? Well, there's, there's a couple of things here that, that tie very nicely. Um, literally, literally half an hour uh, uh, before speaking to you, I just finished the sublime, utterly sublime, uh, Sunderland Till I Die oh, on Netflix, yes. season two. Honestly, mate, it's probably, you know, I'm being slightly hyperbolic here, but it's probably the greatest football documentary I've ever seen. 
Yeah. I'm not a Sunderland fan, obviously. You know, they're in the northeast of England. They're in League One. They're Lancashire. They're a massive club in decline. But in terms of capturing the spirit of failure, of loss, and what football means to a town, to a community, to a city, particularly a working-class city, which, frankly, I don't think is replicated as well in Singapore as it is in Malaysia. You know, Malaysia gets that, that, that kind of one-team state mindset or that one-team city mindset, whether it's Kedah or Johor mm-hmm, or Newcastle mm-hmm. or Sunderland, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think Malaysians get that. And, and when you see that, you know, the entire fabric, the entire economic, social and cultural fabric of an entire city is, is sort of wedded to the, to the fortunes of its club, Honestly, mate, I, I just finished it half an hour ago and I had a lump in my throat. And my wife was like, get a grip. It's not even your team. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Sunderland. The, the, segue to that is, no, the segue to that is because, they, because they're in League One and, and the, the, the guys who made the documentary uh, are, are big Sunderland supporters. They got the kind of access that you're never going to see yeah. in an elite football club yeah. again. Yeah. And, and, and in terms of books, as I'm watching it, I'm holding the book in my hand, it, it just constantly reminded me of uh, Hunter Davis's mm. classic, yeah. uh, The Glory Game, yeah. which to younger listeners will think it's crazy because it was written in 1972. So I can already hear younger listeners falling asleep. But bear with me here because there has never been a better book, a fly-on-the-wall book that's in the dressing room of a major club, in this case Tottenham Hotspur, with world-class players at the time, like Martin Peters, may he rest in peace, and, and Alan uh, Gilzean and all those guys, Martin Shivers and so on. And, and you're, uh, the writer Hunter Davis is in the dressing room for an entire season, and you are there with him, uh, home and away, cup games, big European nights. And the fact that I'm holding this book now, and it's the most recent print, and the fact that the book has never gone out of print in, what is it now, almost 50 years, and it's constantly updated and reprinted every year. You go to any half-decent bookstore or library in Malaysia to this day, and you'll still see the glory game in one shape or form on the bookshelf. It, to me, is a timeless classic. So after I finish, now I finish the Sunderland till I die, I'm going to reread the glory game again. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. All right. I'm, I'm going to uh, leave with, with this one here. I know you're, you're a West Ham United fan. Um, yeah. and, and the season as it is now, I want you to speak from a West Ham fan's point of view. How do you think this current season should be resolved? Mate, I'm 100% on this. It should be finished. I almost want West Ham to get relegated. <laughs> Because, and I can hear fans going, what? Because I, I am a football fan, but I'm also a writer. And, and Karen Brady's, who is you know, is the vice chairman of West Ham United, her initial comments that West, the season should be null and void. And at the time, she was the only uh, chairman or owner to yeah. say that publicly, yeah. was so crass and so borderline unethical, immoral, at a time when people are sick and ill and potentially dying. To put the fortunes of a club first before the health and security and safety of a nation, well, it just speaks volumes about the kind of club, unfortunately, I was spat into when I was born. You know, you can't choose where you were born. And I was born in East London, so it's a law 
that you have to support West Ham if you grow up in East London, because if you don't, you are immediately put up for adoption. That is a law. Uh, my father basically told me that in no uncertain terms. You can do anything you want. You could be a serial killer. But if you support Tottenham, we are done. <laughs> Fair enough. So that, Proper so upbringing. So look, I, I, I 100%, 100%, I want the season to finish. And if you've got five seconds, I'll tell you why. Because, all, never mind all the legal reasons and all that, because that is a whole other mindset. I think what we need now, mate, more than ever, is just a little bit of hope. Yeah. Just a glimmer of light. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's one month, two months, three months. I don't care if it's six months. I don't care if this season resumes at Christmas. Seriously. And we'll worry about the next season later. Yeah. Whether it's football, athletics, whatever you're interested in, whatever hobby you have, you must have a glimmer of hope that at some point it's going to come back. Because if the EPL comes back, if the season resumes at any time, it tells us subconsciously that normal life, a semblance of normal life, is coming back. And that's why, for me, never mind who wins the trophies, who gets relegated, I don't care. Right now, we need a bit of hope. Yeah. And for that to happen, the EPL must resume at some point, 100%. That, uh, I, what a perfect way to end the segment, sir. Mr. Neil Humphreys, I'll let you get back to your book reading, your your Netflix watching, and I, I'm sure you're, you're eating. Are you cooking well as well? Did you not hear the first part? <laughs> I'm from East London. I can't cook. Mate, all the love to you and the family. Take care, stay safe, okay? All right, all the best to you, Malaysia. To everyone listening in Malaysia, do the right thing, stay safe, and I wish you and your families all the best. The incomparable Neil Humphreys. You can't top that, but I tell you what, Gary Stevens is going to try. He's coming up next. Stay tuned. Where's the try? And he's always prepared to give it a go. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Captain, leader, legend. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us off the ball in lockdown this week. And we're catching up with friends at home and abroad. Now, here's a gentleman who used to play for Tottenham, used to play for Brighton and Hove Albion. Malaysian TV viewers, especially of Astro Supersport, will be very familiar with him. Thanks for joining us, Gary Stevens. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for, for giving me a call and uh giving me something to do, to be honest with you. It's all a little bit quiet, isn't it? Unprecedented times, Gary. <laughs> um, now, I, I understand you live two, and a, two, two hours away from Bangkok, so you're, you're by the seaside, so self-isolation by the seaside's a bit easier. Um, yes, I'm a, I'm a lucky chap, to be honest with you. Um, I've been in Thailand now for about six years, um, and about a year ago I decided to... Uh, get out of Bangkok and uh, I'm a couple of hours south of Bangkok at a place called Hua Hin um, and there's a tiny little international airport here which flies Hua Hin to KL and KL to Hua Hin, well it was anyway, so um, <laughs> it was nice and convenient for me to uh, get over to, to KL and do my Astro TV work covering the English Premier League. Um, going back to your question, yeah, um, it's a, it's a quiet little seaside town. Um, the, uh, the previous king of Thailand, who sadly uh, 
passed away two or three years ago, had his um, summer palace here, so security is really lovely, the beaches are great, the golf courses are nice, um, and it's a paradise, but unfortunately, paradise is shut at the moment. Yeah, like everywhere else. It's, so, it's a bit like Brighton of Southeast Asia, then. I think that would be a, a reasonable description. The beaches are much better here than Brighton. They're nice <laughs> and sandy, whereas Brighton, Brighton is a pebbly beach. Um, but uh, my eldest daughter still lives in Brighton, and uh, she loves it there as well. Brilliant. How, how are you keeping yourself occupied? Are, are, you, are you jogging? Are, are you, what, stuck at home watching videos? What are you doing? Um, I'm not a patient person generally. I like to be active, um, but I've had to uh, take to, to a bit more reading. Um, I do like the daily newspaper, so that I download on a regular basis each morning. Um, I've got a couple of books on the go. Um, I've just started a, a course, an online course. I'm, I'm really into you know, this positive thinking and uh, you know, how your thoughts really control your life. Um, so I'm doing a little bit of studying on that as well. And with the beach being just, well, 150 yards away, um, it's about 10 kilometres long. So I walked all along the beach the other day to where the golf course is that I'm a member of, and it took me almost an hour to walk along the beach to get there. And then, actually, it was a bit longer than an hour coming back. I think I was walking into the wind. <laughs> The lucky you, us in Malaysia, we just get to walk from the living room to the fridge, and that's it. Well, you know, it is difficult. I understand that, and I am fortunate here. Um, you know, in Thailand at the moment, there is a curfew in the evening from 10 p.m. at night till 4 a.m. in the morning. You know, when you're out, you have to wear a face mask. Um, but generally speaking, um, it, it's quiet, um, and, and you know. To actually police all these rules and regulations that the country's put into place is, is very difficult, isn't it? You know, yeah. how do you, in England, for example, you know, my daughter is telling me, well, you know, the only way we're allowed to go out is if we're going to the supermarket or we're going to the chemist or we're having our one little period of exercise, which has to be local to where you live on a daily basis. But, you know, how do the authorities know whether you have one, two, or three lots of exercises? How do they really know if you're going to the supermarket or not? Um, so it is difficult, but I guess we just have to trust and believe in uh, our respective populations to toe the line, because if we don't, we are going to only invite further trouble with this uh, virus that is sweeping around the world yeah absolutely absolutely well said sir all right then important question here we we know what the situation is uh regarding football how do you think mr gary Stevens, sir how do you think that the season should be resolved this season <laughs> well it depends what league you're talking about we, we, no premier league more, premier league well how how can you conclude a league that hasn't concluded. So it has to either be played out or, in my opinion, it has to be abandoned. Or the third option is you say we've got as far as we can and therefore we take where it is now as the final finishing line and where everybody is is where they finish in the season. That's the, the three very simplistic answers that I can give you from my viewpoint, of course, every club, 
every player, every fan has a different view and a different agenda. Um, and, and in all honesty, it, it is the conundrum that cannot be solved to everybody's satisfaction. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a tough one. Um, do you, I mean, realistically, do, do you think football will return this season, be it June, July? I think they are going to do their utmost to complete the season. Um, and the, the, the dilemma is how far they're prepared to let it cut into the time period that should be next season. Um, I think we all have to wait and be patient because quite where this virus is taking us all to, I don't know how long it's going to be around for, I don't know. And of course, we don't know as 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 big as the impact has been already, how much bigger it might get. So I, I think we have to all reserve judgment and I think we all have to somehow try and stay reasonably calm, reasonably rational about the whole situation. Yeah, you're right there. And and you know what? I mean, looking from Southeast Asia where we are now, I don't think the UK has even seen the worst of it yet. Well, by all accounts... Um, they are expecting the peak in the UK um, in the next two or three weeks. So by, by that alone, no, they haven't seen the worst of it yet. Um, you know, it's, it's bizarre because, you know, I'm here where I am. And other than the fact that there's nothing happening, nothing to do other than, you know, entertain myself, you know, here where I live, um, it doesn't seem as if there's there's anything really going to affect me, and I don't wish to tempt fate. Um, how it must be if you are on the front line as a as a health worker, as a as a policeman, you know those people even serving food in shops where yeah, the public yeah. are coming through. You just don't you just don't know who's who you're talking to, what they might have. Are they infected? Can yeah. they affect you? It's a really, really horrible situation. It is a horrible situation. It's the new world. All right. All that aside, then let, let's let's try and 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 cheer ourselves up. Um, in the past few shows, we've been asking the guys about their favourite books, uh, documentaries, and films. Football books, documentaries, and films. Have you got favourites that stick out, Gary? Well, I think if I if I look at documentaries, I you know I, I really enjoy all the sports documentaries, and the one for me was um, the documentary that was made on Bobby Robson, which I think was entitled "More Than a Manager." Yeah. Um, and, and Bobby Robson was more than a manager. You know, I, 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 a lot of my career was linked in with Bobby Robson. I was a young player from the age of 11 to 16 at Ipswich Town Football Club when Bobby Robson was the manager. He actually released me as a 16-year-old because I wasn't quite where he needed me to be to offer me an apprenticeship with a view to becoming a professional. Um, so did did, did he talk to you? Did he club. talk to you personally? 100%. So Charlie Woods was his youth team guy. Um, and it wasn't Charlie Woods who told me, sorry, Gary, there's not an opportunity for you. You've been at the club for five years. You've now left school. You're expecting to sign as an apprentice. It wasn't Charlie Woods. Bobby Robson called me into his office one afternoon. Um, it was during the pre-season period. 
And he sat me down and he explained it. And he said, we'd love you to get a job locally, keep training with and playing with the youth team and who knows. But if you think you can make it elsewhere, we'll, we'll get you a club that will give you a trial. Um, you know, there was a few tears from me, but you know, that was the type of guy that Bobby Robson was. And uh, I, I then made my debut for Brighton against Ipswich, and Bobby Robson was still the manager. I scored my first senior goal as a professional for Brighton against Ipswich, and Bobby Robson was still the manager. And then Bobby Robson picked me to play for England. So you can understand why that documentary about the great man himself, Sir Bobby Robson, um, is one of my favourites. Brilliant. Uh, Bobby Robson, more than a manager, is available. Go out and watch it. Bob mentioned it uh, last week as well on, on Friday's show. Listen, Gary, it's been brilliant chatting with you. Uh, thank you so much for, for taking your time out and, and talking to us. My pleasure. Thank you very much for phoning me. If you want to phone me again, it keeps me occupied. I love it. Will do. We'll definitely take you up on that. Thanks so much, Gary. You have a good week. Former Brighton, Tottenham defender, as well as a very familiar face to uh, Astro Supersport viewers in this country, Gary Stevens. Many thanks for that, Gary. Uh, you guys, stay tuned. We're going back down to Singapore for our next guest coming up. Because whilst he's there, it's very difficult for other clubs to get near them. He's that good. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. England's highest quality title race of all time, but coming out on top again in the Premier League, Manchester City. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. This is Off the Ball in Lockdown. As usual, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. Also, follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Special Off the Ball this evening. We're travelling around, catching up with old friends. Uh, we're back down to Singapore this time to talk to an ex-Singapore defender. He's a businessman. He also fronts two radio shows at the weekend. Hello, Sasikuma Ramu. How are you, mate? I'm good, Ross. How are you doing? I, I, I'm, I'm all right. I mean, I, I, I know you, you, you're in radio now, nowadays, in, in, your, in your new career. And you've got two sports shows going on, on Saturday and Sunday. It must be very difficult for you to do it at the moment. Yes, I know. Uh, yes, at the back of uh, 2016, when my, my business got acquired, I started to look at other things. And I'm uh, quite grateful that Channel News Asia came along and they said, are you willing to come in and do your own sports show? And I thought, you know, that's my childhood dream of having my own sports show. What can be better, right? So I jumped in. And right now, like you mentioned, it's really tough because there's no football, there's no sports going on. So what we have to do is, as usual, you know, human beings, we are creative, we try and innovate. And that's what I've been doing the last, I would say, what, a month or so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. H hence my call with you right now in Singapore, Sassy. But hey, this, <laughs> this weekend you had a multiple uh, Olympian medal winner. I grew up, I remember watching her swim. You, you had her in the studio this weekend. We did have it in the studio. I had on the show, as you know, we can't be, we are isolated at the moment. So we use the technology to obviously bridge the gap. But yes, I had Joycelyn Yeo. She's a four-time Olympian in Singapore. She's won 42, 40 gold medals for Singapore in the SEA Games and 52 in total. Uh, she's a 
we grew up in the same time as Hayden. She was a national athlete. I was a national athlete at the same time. So we, we belonged to the same era. It was really good talking to her and getting really into her life and how she's progressed over the years. She was also a nominated MP in Parliament here. So she has had quite a really remarkable career. And I was so glad that after a while, it took us a while to get organized with this interview. Finally, I got her on the show and was uh, was really good. Brilliant. Now, being a, being an ex-sportsman and all that, uh, with, with all the restricted movement control, how, how are you finding it easy to keep fit? Are you keeping fit? Yes, I, I think that's pretty much my you know daily routine. I try and make sure that I keep a routine. As you know, with this lockdown and not being able to go anywhere, it's quite hard to mentally be stable in many ways. If you can put it that way, people are suffering from cabin fever and I'm no different. So what I do is that I keep I keep a routine, and one of my routine is to work out. I try as much as possible to make sure that I go out there. We have a small fitness area where we live, and my wife and I most times we we, we spend about forty minutes to forty five minutes working out. We find some sort of workout uh, from the internet, and uh, and we encourage each other. So, and that's how we've been uh, keeping fit. And I think now it's become even more important for us to make sure that we stay fit and stay healthy. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and clean as well, and very, very clean. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, important question time. Um, we we all we all follow English football. I mean, it's the bulk of of the content of of both our radio shows that that we we, we put out weekly. How so? With the current situation, it's suspended indefinitely. EPL. I know, I know you're an Everton fan, okay? So speaking from the perspective of an Everton fan, how do you think this season's football should be resolved? Well, purely from an Everton fan perspective, we, we wish the season ended like six months ago. So we don't have to, so that we don't have to go through the pain, right? But, uh, but fast forward six months, we, we've got a, a really good coach in Carlo Angelotti. Team has been, you know, blowing hot and cold. So when you take all of that into consideration, if the if the season is called null and void in the next couple of weeks, we'll be happy as as fans. You know, of course, uh, our cross city rivals, uh, the 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 guys from Liverpool or the smaller team from from that from the city uh, might not really agree. Yeah, they might not really agree with us. But you know, as you said, this is unprecedented times. We don't know. How what's going to happen and how we're going to deal with it? But from a purely from an evident fan perspective, the season our season ended like six weeks ago anyway. I, I think Sassi is absolutely not alone in thinking like that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just the Liverpool fans who might feel different. Okay, um, uh, uh, it, for the past three or four shows, um, we've been asking all the guys uh, basically how they've been keeping busy. A lot of them have been talking about. Football documentaries, books they're reading, films. What 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 book uh, has really caught your attention? So I've I've read this book before. Um, the, the, one of the things that I do is that I'm I'm big into, of course, uh, self help and business books. So I don't end up reading a lot of uh, I would say football books, but I used to read a lot of biographies. But one of the books that really caught my imagination is a book called Soconomics or Soccer Economics. It's written by Simon Gruber and Stefan Simansky. Really good book in the sense that they take a different narrative to football. So everything that happens in football, they have a different narrative to it. So I kind of like it, really enjoy it. Uh, I've read it like twice. It's in my library just behind. In fact, I have it in my hand now so that, you know, when you, when you ask me this question, 
uh, I can I, I can hold it and you know tell you for a fact that this is a great book. Brilliant, brilliant. And and I mean, okay, apart from the business side, that there must be a fantasy side, the enjoyment side of it. And there are loads of football movies around. Uh, um, we were spoken about things like Escape to Victory and, and all the slightly older ones. Is there one that sticks in your memory that you've seen? Not too long ago, not too long ago, I was watching Sunderland Till I Die. I think it's on Netflix. You, I'm sure a lot of people have watched it. It's a brilliant documentary. It's done in a series format. I cannot begin to recommend this uh, enough because it really gives you the underbelly of what happens in a football club how people take advantage of football, how players are treated, how uh, managers and, of course, owners, and ultimately how the fans deal with a football club like Sunderland and seeing it drop down the drank. So uh, Sunderland Till I Die is highly recommended. It comes in a series format on Netflix. But going back a bit more, from maybe a bit more fun and a bit more lighthearted, Bandit Like Beckham is one that sticks out in my head. Right? I, I really like that. You know, sorry about an Indian girl trying to play football. Uh, all the different stereotypes being uh, casted on her, but she, you know, ultimately she, she's kind of triumphed and you know pursued her dream. But that was quite fun, actually. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I actually took a young lady to the cinema to watch that, and and yeah, it, it actually illustrates life in England quite accurately, uh, especially with with the Asian Muslim community. Uh, right, so that was a date, was it? You took <laughs> it was kind very, of. It was very classy, indeed. Very classy. Do you know what I mean? But it must have cost me the earth back then, anyway. Uh, going back, going back to Sunderland till I die. I've actually seen that. I, I understand it is brilliant. You don't actually have to support the club to to enjoy it. It's got everything. It's got joy. It's got heartache. It's really harsh on the professionals at the club, isn't it? Absolutely. I think people don't understand what it takes to be a, a footballer, a professional footballer. People really don't know what it means to run a football club. And when you look at the CEO running the club, or the deadlines, they try to sign a player, the player didn't come through, the player said yes. So it's a lot of drama. I, I thought that it was brilliantly produced. If you're a true blue football fan, forget about you know being a fan of a certain club. But if you're a really football fan, if you love your football, this is a must-watch series on Netflix. Brilliant. Sunderland Till I Die is on Netflix. And I tell you what, once you're done with that, Sunderland Till I Die 2 has just been released. Exactly. I haven't had time to do that. I, 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 saw, I saw episode one. You, you're going to be gripped, Sassy. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's probably my, my weekend binge watching, <laughs> I suppose. Brilliant stuff. Hey, listen, thank you so much for taking time out and, and, and talking to us. Um, what, what advice can you give out to, to people who've been bored to tears staying indoors then so far? So one of the things that I found that's really useful is keeping a routine, of course, like I said. So don't change anything. Keep a routine. Wake up on time. You know, if you have a home office, get into the home office. One of the things I found really useful is I've been upgrading myself. I've been taking some courses online. And mind you, and those people who say, oh, it's going to cost, there are Ivy League programs that are online that are free. So there's no real excuse. So try and upgrade yourself. I've, I've been doing that a lot. I've been looking at coding, uh, designing websites and stuff like that. So I'm just slowly learning bit by bit by bit. But, you know, this time is probably a great time to recalibrate and, you know, pick up a new skill. Brilliant stuff. Sassy, all the best to you and your family. Thanks again for talking to us. You stay safe, take care, and we'll talk again soon, yeah? Thanks, Ross. You take care too.
Yes, Asikuma has uh, two radio shows every weekend on Singapore Radio called Sports Talk. Sports Talk Saturday, Sports Talk Sunday. Um, Stay tuned then. Uh, We're coming back home next. We're heading back home and catching up with an old friend. Coming up. Build a mentality in that dressing room that's powerful, strong, made them feel like they're unbeatable. What a coach. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. The serial winner has got another trophy for the cabinet. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us for our final guest this evening. We travel back home into deepest, darkest PJ to meet... (laughs) (laughs) to catch up with Roshan Narayan. Hello, Roshan. Hello, Roshan. It is the deepest and darkest parts of PJ. I'm literally living under a hill. (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know, I've seen it. So, so yeah. listen, uh, you, you haven't gone crazy stuck at home. I, I haven't gone crazy, but one thing I am craving, I'm dying for, is a proper rummy burger. I, I know, I know what you're thinking. You can buy it, you can do it yourself, but no, that's not the that, that's not the beauty of being a Malaysian or being stuck at home. You will miss a rummy burger because you need that machi or uncle. Next to that 7-Eleven shop, making the perfect Romney burger for you. That is, okay, I, I am going crazy. You're right, I am going crazy. <laughs> Mate, I, I, I told you, I, I'm on your page. Because I yeah. tried I tried to make my Romney burger last night. Um, and yep. and it, was, it was too neat. It was too neat. It was too tidy. It didn't taste the same. Exactly. It's just either the sweat, love and tears that are going into it. But I don't know what it is. It, it, it's, just, it's just different look, without them making it whatsoever. Now, apart from the Romney Burger craving, I understand you, you've become quite a master at homeschooling. Yes, it's a blessing and I don't use the word, it's a distraction, Ross, because it, it gives me purpose to wake up. Apart from work, you wake up, there's a Zoom call or hang, Google Hangout, whatever they use, and we're off to the races. But you must understand, my kid's quite young and all her classmates are quite young as well. So it's a nightmare. Yeah. People are screaming, shouting. And I feel for the teachers because I can just see their lives being sucked up of the teachers with every conference call with all these kids. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're all kids. I mean, if they're older, I can understand. But it's good. Uh, it, it just keeps me busy. And yeah, I am now a master on how to teach a five-year-old in the house. I bet the teachers have the bottles of wine just out of sight of the camera. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, they say a prayer. They just chuck one gin tonic and like, here we go, off to the races. So listen, on, on a serious note, how do you explain to a five-year-old what is happening in the world today? Oh, uh, I'm actually quite uh, surprised that my kid's smarter than me, so I have to do some DNA tests of the day. Because... <laughs> So I, I told her, we sat down and said, you know, darling, there's something very serious going on. There's a, something like a flu. If you get it, you could die or you could not die. Or if you get it, you might get grandma, grandpa sick. So it's very, very dangerous. And in fact, I mean, this is why you have to give credit to the school. So the, part of the little subject that we had to educate the kids about, and they had to do a video for a presentation to the teacher was about COVID-19 and what's going on. 
So she keeps telling us, you know, let's not go out. I don't want to get coronavirus. I don't want to give it to you. And I'm like, oh, so sweet. And then it's like, if you get it, you will die. And she says it like that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's the innocence of a five-year-old, you know? It's so like, wow, it's okay, cool. So we just educate her. So it, the good thing is you can, you have to be a proactive parent, man. There's no such thing as switching on the TV and letting it go because there's only so much they can watch before they get bored. So... You just have to mentally prepare yourself. If not, you're going to go mad. Well, exactly. Well, I, I'm lucky. My, my kid's a teenager now, so he only sees me for meals. <laughs> it's a, you are so lucky, Ross. <laughs> Rest of the time, I'm posting rubbish on Facebook like everybody else. <laughs> Same here. So, like, as soon as she has a break after one subject, I'm on, I'm on social media. I'm trying to figure out who's... And you know what's the funniest part? People you've never heard from in ages are reaching out to you and trying to rekindle their friendships and all that sort. So it's quite nice. At the same time, you're like, that's the reason why I stopped talking to you, bro. <laughs> right. Okay, for the, far, for the fast past few shows, we've been asking the guys uh, their favorite football book, favorite football film, favorite football documentary. I want to know what, 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 I mean, have you, you must have watched loads, right, in your time and read loads as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been watching docu- football documentaries a lot. And of late, uh, God bless the Germans, man, apart from their cars and their beverages, they're starting to make really, really good TV shows. There's two TV shows on Netflix right now. I'm not getting paid to say Netflix, you know. I used to work for Astro, <laughs> but never mind. But there's one uh, show called, um, Dark, D-A-R-K, which was brilliant. And I slowly fell in love with, uh, fell in love with the way the Germans make their, uh, their, their production skills. And there's one right now about football. It's called Dogs of Berlin. I highly recommend it to anybody who's a football fan. Because the moment I saw... Okay, I'll give you a, a quick synopsis. I'm not going to spoil it for you. It's, you know, a certain league in Germany. Yeah. Not going to mention names. A certain very famous German football of Turkish descent. <laughs> okay. Match fixing, bribery, scandals, murder. Dogs of Berlin. And Dogs of Berlin. Please watch it. The moment, I mean, there's one footballer who, you know, who's German of Turkish descent who's not exactly, <laughs> you know, the most favorite in Germany right now. At the moment I saw it, I was like, oh my God, this is him. And, you know, you can speculate, you can, but you know where, where, where there's smoke, there's fire? Yeah, yeah, It's yep. got to be about something because it's way, way too uh, close to home with regards to these certain topics. It's talk, it talks about how the, the, the Turkish community is uh, perceived in Germany. And you've got your swastika-loving boys out to kill these guys. And it's, it's amazing. And it's all around football. Brilliant, brilliant. Whilst we're on Netflix, also check out The English Game. Saw that the other week, and it was it was very very good. It's it's basically how the game got organised in in England and how it became association football. Right, serious what's stuff. It again? Uh, what's the, it called again? The English game. Oh, the English game. There's another one, another TV show on Netflix about South American football. The only reason why I believe and I keep watching it for the fact is years ago, like you mentioned, I've been watching football documentaries for years. There's something I think you've definitely watched it, Ross. It's called Football Factories. Yeah. And Football Factories International is all about your organism and the firms and the, you know, all of them. So it's literally, when I watched Football Factories International, there was one, a few episodes when they went into South America, especially Argentina. 
and how this guy who went into the stadium to have a look at the, you know, how the stadium is built, the history of the football club, it wasn't a single club official who took them on the tour. It was their fans, their ultras that took them in and showcased the entire stadium and the history. And that point of time, I was thinking to myself, like, the hell? <laughs> <laughs> These are the ultras showing, you know, they're on TV, they're explaining the club. And so there's a TV show, it's, uh, it's Argentinian, of course, it's called Puefa, which is Dog. I've been practicing my Spanish, by the Very way, because I'm bored to death. <laughs> Very good. There is also one called Ultras. Uh, it's dubbed into yes. English. That, that's my next one. I'm going to watch that one after this. So it's basically the, once again, I won't give it away, how the Ultras are running the football club yep. from within. Yeah. Yeah, basically, and, and they're really, really nice people. So yeah. w- watch them all. It's mostly available on Netflix. Now, now, Roshan, let's wrap up with, with a serious bit. Uh, um, you know the Premier League's been what, postponed indefinitely, right? Yep, yep, yep. How would you sort it out? If you had the power, would you, would you nullify the season? Would you, would you literally wait until it's safe to play again, which could be, what, three, four months away? Or, okay. or, or what? What would you do? If it was in the Philippines, I would have gone ahead with it because you could just shoot people who speak against the government. <laughs> okay, Europe, serious now. Okay, but uh, but in Europe, there's no chance for one reason. I would nullify it as, as much as it pains me to say this because I know you're not going to like this, Ross, but Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have helped rekindle the love of football in terms of the style of yeah, play yeah, and what yeah. they've done this season. Absolutely, absolutely, agreed. As a football fan, watching them play this season was unbelievable, including that Atletico Madrid game, because it was just, I know it was a wrong result for them, but it was brilliant. But you've got to take into consideration, everyone's talking about Liverpool deserve the title. Now, if you do give them the title, this is what's going to happen. United will go into Europe because of what happened to Man City, correct? Behind Mm -hmm, the scenes. mm -hmm. But Sheffield United are a point behind United with a game in hand. So they could miss out in Europe, so they're going to make some noise. Yeah. But the one thing that will really affect the whole dynamics of the game are the three teams that are going to go down. Yeah. Who's going to go down? They're going to miss out on $100 million easily. Yeah. And this is the stats, yeah? And, Which and could cost the club to, to implode. Exactly. So it will be a machine working out the remaining games and then you, you're going, oh, I'm sorry, correct. Watford. Yeah, uh, based on form, you didn't stay up. Yeah, correct. So you, you cannot justify giving someone... Okay, fair enough. You know, it, that, this is as simple as it... Imagine it's Formula One. Ferrari is having a fantastic race, and all of a sudden the race had to stop because of the rain. But nobody's finished it, right? Mm. So what happens there? Yeah. Do you give the person the title? Do you not give the person? The, I mean, there are rules and regulations over there, but not for football, not for me. So would you? A, so would you wait then? Is that the sensible, re, sensible way? Well, is UEFA was smart. The world governing bodies were smart by pushing the Euros to next year. Which means the clubs have to about July, second week of July, yeah, yeah. to sort it out. Yeah. If, if, and only if, Europe get the act together with COVID, yeah, you could still. I mean, I don't want to get into that side of the things, but all you need is one person suing one football club for coming to work, and it is all downhill from there. And people will do it, Ross, because people are desperate for money. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, that's a horrible part of it. That's a good point. Um. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. We we could actually do. A, I I can do an hour with you on this. <laughs> but no, no. We're, we're, let, let's let's wrap up here. I mean, realistically though, do do you see football coming back? I mean, do I mean not not wanting to get into into the whole thing in in depth, but 
it seems that Europe's a bit behind Asia in terms of coping with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the numbers, uh, and everyone can say, "Oh, are the numbers real? Are they uh, have they been fabricated?" But you look, we have been on, uh, we have been in our house for two weeks. Yeah. China was, everyone was in their house, literally nailed, sh- shut doors and everything for two and a half months. Yeah. And, and, and trust me, as a football fan, I miss watching football. There's only so much of reruns I can watch exactly. before I know, oh, that's going to happen. Exactly. Oh, that's going to happen. Goal. Goal. <laughs> right. I miss, as, a, as a football fan, I'll be back. We all miss, we want it back. Yeah. If you're a United fan right now, you must be really laughing your backside off. Leeds won't be promoted. Liverpool won't be crowned champions of the Premier League. But then, but then it was all going well on the pitch, so we kind of missed the football. I'll, 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 you know what I mean? I'll have that back in a shot. Yeah, I, that, I agree. As a football fan, having at least five to six games on a weekend, dude, we're not going to have football for five months, bro. When was the last time you ever heard of that? I know. World War Two. I know, that's crazy stuff, crazy. Listen, I'm going to let you get back to it because I'm going to jump back into it. The Belarusian uh, Premier League is on, yeah? Ross, don't, don't, don't leave me, Ross. Keep talking to me. <laughs> Listen, Roshan, all the best. Listen, take care of your family. Keep staying indoors and, and we'll catch up soon, yeah? Likewise, Ross. Everybody out there listening on BFM, thank you so much and stay safe. And that wraps up this edition of Off the Ball. In lockdown. Many thanks to Neil Humphreys, to Gary Stevens, to Sasikuma, and to Roshan Narayan. You guys, um, I'll be back on Friday to talk to you, but in the meantime, please continue to stay home and stay safe. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.